We are so glad to have you here. We're going in our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, if you would join me there. 1 Samuel chapter number 14. To all that are joining us online tonight, we welcome you into our service. Thank God for you. Very glad that you have joined us tonight. Uh, it is good to have a lifelong friend here with me, Mark. It's good to see you tonight. Thankful to see friends in the house of the Lord. It's good to see some folks that we've been missing and glad you're back home in this place. We're so very glad to see you. Amen. We're going to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 14. I know that you've been standing for a very long time, and uh, I certainly do appreciate that. It, it's, uh, it is something that's noticed in this church. When, when people come here, they're like, man, do you guys ever sit down? Uh, and... Uh, I'm like, man, it don't matter what you do. You can get up and tell them to sit down. They're going to stand right back up. So uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 14. We're going to read quite a bit here. So uh, if you're just wore out and you need to get your shouting and dancing legs strengthened up, you can sit down if you need to. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, come. And let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not Saul his father. Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. Somebody say 600 men. That's a lot of people. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of one was Bozaz, the other was Sine. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. But there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do what's in your heart. Turn you and behold, I am with thee according to what your heart is telling you right now. He said, Jonathan, get after it. And when you turn around, I'm going to be standing right here with you. If you believe that God is able, then I believe that God is able. If you believe that God will work for us, then I believe God will work for us. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. Within, as it were, a half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth... Quaked, so it was a very great trembling. And the watchman of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked. Behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Then said Saul unto the people that were with him, Number now, and see who is gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer, we're not there. Let's move down to 20. 
Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves. They came to the battle, and behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. There was a great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Bethaven. This is an interesting story. While everybody else, Saul and the 600, sat waiting for somebody else to go get it, Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and said, we got nothing to lose. The worst thing that could happen is us go and fail. But I'd rather die trying than I would to sit here watching. And I feel tonight like God is about to raise up some people in this building tonight that are sick and tired of talking about it. You're sick of hearing about victory. You're sick of talking about what you're going to do someday. And you're ready tonight before you leave this place to stand up and put on the armor of God. And say, Lord, you're for us. You're fighting for us. And we're getting ready to get up out of this thing. And we're fixing to go defeat this enemy that's standing in front of us. I want to tonight echo the sentiment of the scripture. If I may in your ears. That if God be for us. Who can be against us? If God be for us. Thank you for standing tonight. I honor you greatly. You may be seated in the mighty name of Jesus. I, uh, I feel like due to the fact that we read so much of this story, it kind of tells itself. But if you'll give me just a few minutes to lay some groundwork tonight, I want to do that with the help of the Holy Ghost. But I feel like telling this church that I'm ready to go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of standing around and dreaming about what God's going to do in 2020. We've, we have heard about harvest. It's been prophesied to this church. And I, I, I don't know... Uh, of course, this is my home church, so I'm here all the time, but I don't know of a church anywhere that has had more prophetic declaration over it, that God is for us. But here's what I know tonight, and this is what I want to preach to you. I want to tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no question whatsoever whether or not he will. God will work for us. God will work for us. But I'm afraid that sometimes, and I'm going to be very, very straight with you at the beginning of this. We're going to let faith move in this house in a few minutes. But I want to tell you that talk is cheap. And I'm afraid that sometimes we spend more time talking than we do doing. And we stand back and tell God what we're going to do for him. And we pray over our city and tell God the things that we want to do in the city. All of the time knowing that potential is no good if it has not been activated. Several months ago, I was preaching to this church and the Lord had asked me a question in my prayer time. That I felt like I needed to ask this church and I did. And I don't know, some of you may have already forgotten about it, but I ask you the question, what does harvest look like? When the word comes to us and says there is a harvest for this church, what does that look like to you? Does that look like to you that on one Sunday morning we're going to pull into this parking lot and your spot's going to be taken? Because there's people lined up outside this door waiting on us to unlock the door and come in. 
there is a lot better chance that harvest looks more like you walking up to somebody being led by the Holy Ghost and activating faith in your life than it does us walking up to this church on any given Sunday and 150 people waiting outside for us to open up the door. The Bible says that this is a narrow way and few there be that find it. And while we understand that there are some that through the years have walked in off the street and we believe God that we're going to see more of that this year. I tell you that the predominant number of people that are in this room tonight are here because somebody invited you. You are here because somebody told you about Jesus. You are saved because somebody taught you the word of God. And harvest, while I, while I expect it, and I, I thank God for it, and if it happens and when it happens, I'm going to rejoice that the parking lot's going to be full before church starts. But until then, we've got to get something in our hearts that activates the law of harvest. It does not work for a farmer to take all of his money and invest in this year's seed. Put it in to the planter. Go out into the field and plant all the seed. And then go home and watch that little seed come up. It's incredible to watch. That seed that's going to be so powerful comes up as just a little green twig, a little sprig up out of the ground. And the watchful eye of that farmer begins to watch that little sprig as it grows and grows and grows. And then normal weather cycles, was it used, they used to say, was it waist high by the 4th of July or knee high by the 4th of July, something like that. Could you imagine that farmer taking all of that time and all of that energy and all of that money and all of that seed and letting it sprout up out of the ground and that corn turn into a beautiful tall stalk of corn. And then as it begins to turn brown and everybody else is out in the harvest field, that farmer sits down at the house by his fireplace because the weather's getting cool. Puts on the coffee pot and says, you know what, I put my time in in the field planting the seed. Now I'm just going to let the harvest come to me. You don't just burn diesel fuel in the planting season. You got to burn some fuel in the harvest season. You've got to activate the law of the harvest and know that if the harvest is coming in, it's going to be because you go get it in. Come on now. I would hate to stand before the Lord. And him have to look at me and say the reason why that line of people right there did not make it into the kingdom of God is because you refused to tell them when I put them in your path. I don't know about the great gulf that's fixed between us. We've got a little bit of parabolic form writing in the scripture where Lazarus and, and, and the, the, uh, the rich man die. And the scripture said there was a great gulf in between. I understand that. But if by chance it was possible for there to be communication, and more than likely there will not be, but could you imagine that if there were people in hell that were screaming and crying out to the church saying, why didn't you warn me about this? Why didn't you tell me this is the way that it was going to be? Why didn't you tell me? And then people wonder why we preach the way that we preach. And they wonder why we live the way we live. And they wonder why we give to missions. And they wonder why it's so important for us to get a generator and a sound system into South Africa. Can I tell you, every single soul that we pull out of hell's jaws, it's worth the investment. We are, and please don't take this with the wrong spirit. I want you to receive it in the right spirit. But we are absolutely a movement that loves to talk about things that we are not really willing to put in the time to do. As the apostolic church, we talk probably more about prayer and harvest than anything else. 
Uh-oh, see some of you just started preaching with me right there. You knew where I was going. We preach about prayer and preach about prayer and preach about prayer. And then on Monday morning, we get up and go to work and come home. Still haven't prayed. We're exhausted and we fall into bed on Monday night. Hadn't talked to the Lord. We come to church and an evangelist comes in here and tells us, God's going to give this church harvest. Then we walk past that soul, that family member that's hungry. God will put them, you know how he does it, he'll put them at the same table with you. Open up a door for you. They'll walk into the lunchroom while you're at work. Yeah, yeah but Pastor, we're not supposed to do that kind of stuff while we're at work. What, do what? Build relationships? That's all soul winning is. It's loving people. It's being able to look beyond what they are right now, loving them for what's on the inside of them and saying, you may be a, 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 a you, 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 you may be an outcast to society right now, but I see greatness in you. Mm. We love, we love to talk about it, man. We love to deal with it. We love to, we love to try to get everything. I, I said it this morning. We like to psychoanalyze everything, you know. God ever give you that person that when, when you started teaching them, you're like, they're never going to get it. There's some of you here tonight that when I started teaching you, I said, you're never going to get it. But guess what? You're here. You're here. And the devil hates that about you. The devil absolutely hates that about you. Do you know what I believe? I believe that if we want to, in 2020... We can sit back and talk about prayer, fasting, and harvest all year and have the best church that we've ever had. Our choir can get better than it's ever been. Our music team can get better than it's ever been. And we can talk about it all year long and never have harvest but just dance our way around and say, oh boy, didn't we have good church tonight. But at some point, we're going to have to give in to the crushing weight of conviction That sinners are not the only people who get convicted. I'm asking God to convict my heart more than has ever been convicted. And make me aware of those that are around me. I don't care if I think they're going to get it or not. Everybody needs to know Jesus. Come on. Tell your neighbor tonight, God will work for us. So what we've got. We've got Saul, which believe it or not, he hadn't even been the king very long. It's kind of a short-lived process when you try to do things your way instead of God's way. And Saul has been faced as the king with some decisions. Are you going to stand back and let the enemy intimidate you? Or are you going to do something about it? And the Bible said that Saul was resting under a pomegranate tree in a place called Migron. Now, you're not going to believe this when I tell you this. But the place where he was resting in Migron, the word actually means precipice. Right on the edge. How many times have we heard it in this church? This church is on the precipice of breakthrough. This church is at the edge of breakthrough. We're at the edge of harvest. But Saul found rest in the precipice. Saul was able to rest at Migrant looking out across the plain knowing that the enemy that was against them was finding rest in the fact that he was resting. It does not intimidate the devil when we stand up and declare that we believe in revival. But it messes the devil up when we stand up and quit talking about revival. And we realize who we are in God. And that God will work for us. And that we do not have to be intimidated. 
I'm going to preach to this church from my heart for the next few minutes and I'm going to tell you that we cannot afford to be at ease in Zion. We cannot afford when the enemy is coming against our families and coming against our children and coming against our church to sit back under a pomegranate tree at the precipice of breakthrough and just celebrate the fact that we're closer than we've ever been. I refuse to celebrate it one more day. I'm ready to go after it. I'm ready to show the enemy that we are serious about revival. So what happens is Saul is already striving with God. Samuel's already talked to him in his short-lived kingdom. And he he says, you know what, I'm just going to kick back here and relax because I'm allowed to do that. And I, 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 I fear... I fear that we see trends. I, I lead this way as a pastor, and if I've counseled with you, oftentimes you'll hear me make this statement, and I believe this. I believe that people either make a mistake or they start a trend. I, I, I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. People that make a mistake will get up from it and learn from it. People that start a trend, they do the same thing over and over and over and over. And they can't break the cycle because it wasn't a mistake. It becomes intentional. This same king that's propped up underneath the pomegranate tree is the same king that when David comes to fight Goliath is sitting with his armor empty in his tent. And he wants to tell David how to use it, but he refuses to put it on. And so the Philistines are, they're out, man, they're, they're, they're sitting out saying, hey, we've got this thing whooped, man. We got this. It's done. It's finished. And old Saul, man, he's just, he just propped up there, got him pomegranate, kicking back. Oh, isn't this so good? I feel that warm sunshine on my face. And Jonathan is over here pacing back and forth. I'm about sick of this. I know he, I'm glad he can find rest in this, but I'm tired of the Philistines talking about me like this. I'm tired of the Philistines talking about my God like this. And something got a hold of him, and he got at, at, a, at, a, at a moment of unrest, and he said, I, I, I can't do this. Just because somebody else is going to sit over here in the pomegranate tree. Folks, listen to what I'm telling you. 600 men were watching their leader under a tree kicking back. And Jonathan gets to pacing. And his armor bearer looks up at him and says, hmm, I don't know what's got into Jonathan. And Jonathan walks over to his armor bearer and he says, let me tell you something, bud. He said, I've got something going on inside of me. And I can't shake this thing. I know my dad's resting over there. I understand all that. And this is probably not going to make him happy. And boy, he's pacing back and forth. I can just see it. He said to his armor bearer, he said, but here's what I got to believe. I got to believe that if we'll go after this thing, that God will work for us. He said, it may just be that if we'll get up and do something about it, that God is going to do a work for us. And his old armor bearer looked at him and said, Jonathan, if that's what's in your heart, get after it. Because I'm going to be right behind you every step of the way. Listen, it only takes two people to get in a spirit of unity. Jonathan said, I'm tired of sitting here and listening to the enemy talk about God. I'm tired of him cursing our people. Somebody in 2020 is going to get sick and tired of talking about harvest. We're going to get sick and tired of talking about revival. And we're going to get the revelation. God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody in 2020 is going to get the revelation that these signs shall follow them that believe and we're going to start believing that when we lay hands on the sick they shall <laughs> Jonathan what, what, what are you thinking I'll tell you what I'm thinking I'm thinking That I can't sit here anymore. I'm thinking that I'm not going to sit here one more day. I'm thinking that that enemy's way bigger than I am. 
But I'm thinking that God is for us. And if God is for us, it doesn't matter what they say or what they do. And he said, Jonathan, you go after it. And he said, whenever you turn around, you just know that when you turn around, I'm going to be right there. You know what's going to happen when the spirit of Jonathan awakens in this church? Somebody's going to watch you do it. And they're going to stand up beside you and say, if you've decided to teach Bible studies this year, then I'm going with you. And I'm going to start teaching with you. Ah! Anybody in here ever... Ever been in dead church? Anybody? Man, I hope it wasn't here. If you were, God forgive us. I, I don't like to use that word, but I, man, I hate dead church. Oh, I can't stand it, especially if I'm preaching. I'm like, oh. I'm, I'm probably hard to deal with sometimes because I, I, tell, I tell my wife, my, my God sings something that gets us moving. I don't want to be the resurrection and the life tonight. We got, we got to get something down in us. But it speaks volumes to me that it takes a certain beat to get some of us to move. This story shows us anybody can sit around and watch. But Jonathan said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do something about it. And do you know what happened when he did? Somebody got up and went with him. Have you ever been in one of those dead services when just one old crazy radical Pentecostal stands up while everybody else is sitting there look like they've been baptized in pickle juice? And one old Pentecostal get up and start feeling Get to clapping their hands. Get to stomping their feet. And it ain't long you look up over here. And it starts being like that old whack-a-weasel game. You know what I'm talking about? And the weasels start popping up. Because somebody said, well, shoot, man. If they're going to worship, I'm not going to just sit here. And before you know it, one turns into two. And two turns into three. And three turns into ten. And somebody gets a victory. It is an indictment against our soul. If we have dead church in 2020, somebody needs to say, we won't have dead church this year. Don't do it. That felt pretty good. Huh. You know what? I've been that guy in the service when it's kind of dead. Nobody else is moving. And the Lord speaks to me and says, if you'll take off running right now, this thing will break. (laughs) And I've stood right there. And you know what happens about 10 seconds later? See, y'all already know where I'm at right now. You know what I think Jonathan was saying? God's not going to put up with this much longer. You let everybody else sit over under the tree if that's what they want to do, but I'm going I'm to get involved. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to stand here. I'm going to get involved in this. I'm going to let God do something in me. Come on, armor bearer. Let's get after this thing. I refuse to just stand over here while everybody else relaxes. I'm going to get up and get my praise on. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do. We're going to have a move of God. So here's what happens in my opinion. We get to the edge of breakthrough and we relax. We need some Jonathan to get up and say, I really don't care if everybody looks at me and says I'm goofy. I wonder how many of you in this church ever met Edward Murphy. Anybody? How many we got? Hold your hand up. Man, that's sad. Probably one of the strangest people I ever met in my life. Lived alone. Never had wife, kids, nothing. Just brother Murphy. That's it. 
But I've seen him make the place come alive. <laughs> when it was awful quiet and it was too much for him. It's funny because he'd sit on the front row and he'd cross his legs. Just like this right here. He'd cross his legs. And he'd just sit there. After a while, y'all have seen him know exactly what I'm talking about. That dude went zero to 60 in point two. He'd be sitting there and you'd watch him. Ah. And all of a sudden he'd go, ah! How many of you heard the ha, the ha before? And sometimes he'd get the starter stuck. He'd get the starter stuck on his hallelujah. I watched him many, many times. He'd try to jump up and take off, and he couldn't. He'd just have to sit there in the seat, and he'd lean forward and go, ha, 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 hallelujah. How many of you heard the ha, ha, Come on now. But you know what? If nobody else testified, he'd testify. And he didn't care how simple it was. But he had a little revelation. John said they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. And he didn't really care if he intimidated the guest. And he didn't really care what anybody else had to say when it got a, hey, when it got a hold of him, something would happen. And I'd watch him stand up and he'd get to jumping. He'd take off across the church one way and he'd turn around and go back the other way. And it wasn't long till somebody else would get kicked up and the dust would get to stirring. All I'm saying is we just need a couple. We just need a few. We just need, hey, we need somebody that'll believe God is for us. God will work for us. My God. So the Bible said that Jonathan and his armor bearer, they went after it. and Said their path was pretty clear cut, really. There was only one way they could go, and there were two high points. If you saw the map, you could, it'd make a little more sense to you, but there was really only one way to go. And the first place that they had to go was to what we would call like the security checkpoint of the garrison. There were about 20 soldiers there, 20 Philistine soldiers there. The Bible said that Jonathan and his armor bearer, they took off to get to the enemy's garrison. Two sharp rocks, one on one side and one on the other. The one of the name was Bozaz and the other was Sina. And verse 5, it said, The forefront of one was situated northward against Michmash and the other southward over against Gibeah. Michmash means hidden. In other words, like if you start reading it in this sense, one means hidden. Michmash means hidden and Gibeah means hill. So you could say it like this. They weren't going because they could see all the answers. Because sometimes when you walk by faith, answers are hidden from you. The other man, heal. Because faith is not always just a flat place. Sometimes it's an uphill climb. When you don't understand why you're having to climb this thing, but you know that somebody's going to have to climb it. And like Jonathan, you know that God's not going to put up with it for very long. And if he's going to use somebody, it might as well be you. So if you've got to walk blindly by faith, and if you've got to walk uphill, either way, the enemy is going down. And God just needs a few good men that'll get it in their spirit. I don't care if I can see where I'm going. God is for us. They walked in. Now I'm going to show you a little something that the Lord showed me some time ago. It's just powerful. Somebody shout momentum. momentum. <laughs> oh, the devil hates momentum. Watch. I'm going to show you how this works, okay? Somebody shout revival. revival. Woo, that feels good. Somebody shout harvest. harvest. I'm going to show you how this works. Jonathan got a fire in his bosom. 
And because Jonathan did, his armor bearer did. So one went to two. And they went together. They went down to the security checkpoint. It was a spot about as big as a half an acre. Or the King James said like, just big enough place for a plow of oxen to turn over. Doesn't seem like much, does it? But folks, I don't know how to tell you how to start celebrating victory other than this. The first 20 that they killed was 20 less that they had to worry about tomorrow. Well, I mean, there's thousands of them. What good is, seriously, 20? You don't understand. These two men got excited and said, if God don't help us do anything else, we're going to make our mark right here. And they walked into the security checkpoint, and them two bad boys went to town. Now, the invisible part is what was so powerful. I, you can read into whatever you want to, but I just kind of like to see behind the pages just a little bit. That if you honestly think that those two men caught 20 men by surprise and just whooped them all with their fists, you're sorely mistaken. I believe that when two men got empowered in God, that as they made their way, there was an army that went with them. You will never take a step for God, but what he doesn't send reinforcements. You hear me when I tell you, it was not just two against 20. It was two that got excited about it, and God sent reinforcement. I'm having to preach through the chills tonight because I keep filling them up here. Watch now. These two men got so enamored with victory that when they walked in, Jonathan never even looked behind him to see. He just knew that his buddy was with him. His armor bearer was with him. And it said Jonathan would basically slay on the right hand and he'd slay on the, on the left hand and it just back and forth. It was happening. God was working for him and it happened. But all of a sudden when these two men got charged up and killed the first 20 in the half acre, Bible said that the earth began to shake. Church family, listen to your pastor tonight when I tell you it was not the huddled masses that shook the earth. It was two men that believed that God could when nobody else was willing to take the step of faith. We've got to quit worrying about what the majority is going to do. And somebody's got to get it in your heart that if nobody else is going to worship, I'm going to worship. And if nobody else is going to teach, I'm going to teach. If nobody else is going to go, I'm going to go. You will make a difference. We sit back sometimes and say, well, if God would give me a sign and shake the earth, then I'd go for it. But the Lord showed us that until you're willing to go, he's not going to send earth shaking revival. You want to shake your world? Let's get it in our heart and believe it, that God is for us. God is fighting for us. God is on our side. Now watch. I'm hurrying. The earth shakes. And all of a sudden, the Bible said, Saul got to looking around. He said, whoa, man. What in the world is going on? And it got so powerful. It got shaking so bad. He told his servant, he said, go, go count our people. Some of our men have slipped off down here and got a ruckus going. They came back and said, uh, sir, it's only Jonathan and his armor bearer. He's looking off in the distance and sees a dust flying in the air. This is like straight Holy Ghost gangster style. It said they continued to beat one another down. Do you read that? Boom. Take that, devil. Everywhere I go, I want to walk in and the devil start going, oh, no. I don't want no beat down today. I don't want no beat down today. You know what, church? I'm sick of us being scared to death to walk in our dominion. 
I am through with us walking in with our head down. I'm ready to hold my head up and walk everywhere I go and say, if God is with me, if God is for me, if God is fighting with me, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. I refuse to let witchcraft intimidate me. I refuse to let sorcery intimidate me. I refuse to let the gods of this world intimidate me. I'm going through. My, 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 my. Young person, you listen to your pastor. You don't walk into your school with your head down. If you're in public education, don't go in there with your head down. You walk in there with your head up. There's angels walking with you. You are children of the Most High God. You are not an afterthought of God. You are not on God's back burner. You're His child. So I said, man, what in the world's going on? Somebody shout two. Two men made a ruckus. Is that even an English word? It should be. It is now. If it ain't, it is. Two men caused a ruckus. And so the Bible said that Saul stood up with his 600 men and said, boys, something's going on down there. We got to get down there to them. Listen, two men. Lit the fire under 600 men. Think of. Pastor, I'm just. I don't think I could do anything for God. But look, look, look. I don't want this to sound insensitive. But if you really, 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 really believe that, then go over and sit with the 600. Because there's a couple of us that believe you're more powerful than you think you are. We need some folks that'll say, I don't care if I'm two out of 600. I'm going after it. Because here's what happened. When those two men activated faith, it activated the inactivity of the men. And the men that were content to stand by on the precipice said, whoa. Whatever's going on down there, we got to go get us some of that. And 600 men stood up and got involved in the battle because two men said, we're not going to sit here anymore. Could you imagine what would happen at FPC this year if about two or three would get excited about harvest and excited about breakthrough and believe what God is going to do. I'm, I'm about done, but I got to preach this to you now. Listen, the 600 didn't start it. But when they saw what God was doing, they jumped in. So we got to quit complaining about people that are inactive. You're letting them steal victory. Well, you know what? I don't ever see those people clap. I don't ever see those people. That's okay. That doesn't give me a good excuse not to. Your eyes are way too low. If that's all you're looking at, that means that's the applause you're expecting. You're expecting them to clap for you. Oh, no, no, no. My worship is for an audience of one. I don't worship because you worship. I worship because he's worthy. This church will never be so dignified that a choir member can't get to feeling it and come out of this choir loft. We will never be so dignified that a musician can't get up off of their instrument and get out in the aisle and give God praise. Why? Because it's the law of activation. If we'll get excited, everybody will get excited. Here it comes. I'm just about done. i got two quick points. So 600 men jump in because two got it started. But that's not the end. Oh, my Lord. I love this. 
the next set of activation that happens is, this is so crazy to me. Oh, my Lord, I wish I had time to preach this. It said that there were Hebrews dwelling with the Philistines. Let me just paint this an easy picture for you. They weren't where they should have been. We all know they should have been with the children of God. They should have been in the number. But they weren't. But when 600 men got excited, something got to beating in their heart. And they said, whoa, I don't belong here. I may have been a prodigal today, but something's got a hold of my heart. Can I tell you right now that we don't need backsliders looking at a dead, dried up church. We need backsliders looking at a church. That's on fire. They know any Sunday they walk in here. There's going to be somebody dancing. There's going to be somebody shouting. There's going to be somebody running the aisles. We're not dead. No, no, no. We're going to awaken the Israelites that are living among the Philistines. My God, let's get busy and go to war. Let's let them see we're still happy about it. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You can't expect for backsliders to get involved if the church ain't excited about it. If your drama is louder than your praise, don't expect them to come home. If all they ever hear from you is what you don't like about your brothers and your sister, don't expect them to come home, baby. If all they hear about you is what you don't like about your church, don't expect them to come home. No, no. You know what we need to do? We need to leave out of here Sunday night shouting. We need to call up our friends. You ain't going to believe what God did on Sunday night. You're not going to believe who God delivered on Sunday night. You're not going to believe what happened. Hey, I'm telling you, we need to let them know we're still excited. I'm about done. Here it comes. I'm finished. The last group of activation. The Bible said that there were men hiding in Ephraim. Church, listen to pastor. This is a dangerous place to be. They were unwilling to fight. Listen to me. They weren't doing wrong. They just weren't doing right. But it did not keep the men of God from fighting for a cause. And when two men got 600 excited. And 600 got the Israelites living with the Philistines excited. Even the men that were hiding in Ephraim said, whoa. What is that? I haven't. I hadn't heard that. That's a familiar sound to me. It's been a long, long time since I've heard that. I'm going to tell you something tonight. And I'm speaking to you prophetically in the Holy Ghost. There are people in this city tonight that you may think, and you can judge, say whatever you want to say. You may think they're backslidden and far from God as they can be, but you hear me. It's It's not at all that they're just so far from God that they don't care. It's not that they're doing wrong things. It's that they're not doing anything right. And I understand James said that him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, that is sin. I get that. I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is we've got to let something awaken within us that causes even those who are at ease in this city to listen and hear a sound. You know what they ought to hear every time they tune into our Facebook Live? They ought to hear a church that's alive. They ought to see the waters of baptism being troubled. My God, they ought to see people getting the Holy Ghost. They ought to see people that were addicted to drugs, but now they're overcomers. I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus. We're about to wake up the men of Ephraim.
Let's stand together. We are not content to live in a blessed place. We're going after what belongs to us. We're going after what the enemy has taken from us. I'm going to tell you what my prayer for this church has been for this year. Our approach and our strategy is going to be completely different. 2020 is not going to be a year of recovery. We are not going to spend this whole year recovering broken things that we've let get broken. Don't get me wrong. We're going to restore people. That's not what I'm saying. 2020 is going to be a year of spiritual awareness that we're going to cut the enemy off at the pass before we have to be healed. I pray all the time over this church, God... Make us wise to the devil's devices. Let us see what he's trying to do. God, I'm tired of our marriages having to recover when they can just be healed tonight. I'm tired of our singles running around and feeling like they got to find true love to be in love with you. Hey, listen, we're not going to let down our standard this year just so that we can have a breakthrough. Absolutely not. This is not just going to be a year of recovery. It's going to be a year of dominance. We're going to destroy the plans of the enemy and everything he meant for evil. God is going to turn it around. I need just a couple tonight that will activate it and say it may be that God will work for us. It may be. It may be. My focus in 2020 is not going to be what I've been through. My focus in 2020 is going to be on where I'm going. I'm going after the enemy. And I'm not going to let hidden things trouble me. I'm not going to let uphill climbs trouble me. I'm going to push my way through. And when I get to the first garrison of 20, I'm going to give it all I've got. And I'm going to walk out of there victorious. I'm telling somebody this year is going to be the year of victory and harvest for your family. Because you're going after it.